0: <laughs> Ephesians chapter one we we'll I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us at all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself." That in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Says God to help us this morning. Father, we thank you for the glorious words of Ephesians. Father, we thank you that you gave this revelation to the Apostle Paul. And, Father, we pray that by your Spirit this morning, you will teach us what we need to know from this passage and that you will glorify your Son in our hearts and our minds. Father, we thank you that we're able to meet in your name today, and we pray that you would get glory from all we do in your house this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This passage of Scripture to us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to me, is one of the most assuring and hopeful and glorious passages in the Word of God. Because the Apostle Paul in this passage, what he does is he basically gives us a description of God's blessings that he gives to all his people through Jesus Christ. And Paul not only points us to our own personal salvation, which speaks of God's predestinated love toward us, But he also speaks of all the spiritual blessings that come with it in Christ. And he even goes farther than that, farther than that, because what he does is he points us to God's grand, comprehensive, final purpose for all things. In other words, what Paul does in this passage, when we get to verse 10, is he points us to the ultimate destiny of the universe, or you could say the creation and the glory that is yet to come if you look at this world and the awful state and the condition of this world which is full of war and strife and greed and hatred and dissensions and deceptions and perversions the temptation is to lose heart to be in despair and to be in fear and just look at the world as that as as if all is headed for doom and this world in one sense is headed for doom but this world has always looked like that in this age. And the reason why is because this age is a sinful age and God has to give you spiritual eyes to see what is going on. But he also has to give you eyes to see what is coming in the earth in the age that is to come. The word of God promises us that this earth And this universe will be restored. It will be renovated. And it's going to be put back in right working order. And paradise will be restored. When you look at the uh, Garden of Eden in Genesis, you're basically looking at paradise. And that's the way it's meant to be. And it's going to be put back that way someday, says the Apostle Paul. Now, today, if you're in Christ You can put your heart and your mind at ease because God is going to culminate everything in his son, Jesus Christ. This plan of restoration that God has is in his son. And this plan that the Lord has is a plan that will culminate in a new humanity, a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And believe it or not, this plan has been in progress Since before God even made the world and all that is in it. Because it was in the plan of God before eternity in eternity past that even though he knew man would sin, he's going to restore his creation that will be destroyed by sin. Now, God's plan is never dependent upon what men or nations may do. In other words, men's and nations are just included in God's plan. Men's and nations are just instruments in the plan of God. But God has made known to his people by his holy word through the apostles and prophets, the ultimate future of the created world. And this plan is being carried out this very day right in the church of Jesus Christ. We're headed to that culmination of the world. Now, this world right now, it presently suffers under the curse of Adam's sin. Like we talked about the misery and the suffering and all the things that are happening that are awful in this world. They are consequences of the sin of Adam. Paul says in Romans 8, he says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together till now. In other words, up to this hour. And what one man says about that passage, he says, up to this present, we know that the whole creation, the universe groans in all its parts as if with, with pains of childbirth. Why is the creation groaning? To be delivered from the bondage of corruption, which is death and decay that was brought about by the sin of Adam. So until God's grand purpose is fulfilled in Jesus Christ at his return, when he returns to this earth, this world of grief and suffering will continue. And mankind, until the Lord Jesus Christ returns to this earth, will live in a groaning creation. Now, there's good news for believers because even though we're in this groaning creation, we're also grown, but we're groaning inwardly because we're waiting for the adoption, as Paul says, is the redemption of our body. In other words, we're waiting for resurrection day because we're going to get a new body that will never die again. And so everything that you see in the world right now Means nothing compared to what God has for His people and in store for us. That's coming in the future. You know, I get aggravated when they talk about climate change and all this crazy thing. And you know, you might believe in that. That's fine. I have no problem with that this morning. But God's going to take care of that. It's going to be a new creation. You know. And I tell people all the time. I said, well, you know, they will say things like, you know, if we don't, if if we, we're going to save the planet, no, you're not. Now, God's going to recreate the planet. God's going to make it new. You know, what you see in the Garden of Eden is nothing compared to what God's going to do when he recreates this universe by his son, Jesus Christ. So our text today would be Ephesians 1.10. He says that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times that he may gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. And I'm blessed this morning because we sing about him all the time. The human, human history is going to culminate in Jesus Christ. So the first thing I want to look at this morning is the heart and center of God's plan and purposes. The heart and center of God's plan and purposes. And in order to answer that question, you must highlight the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the center of the plan of God. Everything revolves around the son of God. There is no creation. There is no gospel. There is no redemption. There is no restoration apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of God and all of God's gracious plans. All his purposes are carried out by Christ in Christ and through Christ and even for Christ. You know, God created for God created for Christ. And you can read the scriptures and it'll tell you that everything was created for him. And so we're saying that his plans and purposes completely revolve around his son from the very beginning to the very end. Revelation 1.8, John says this. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. You know, Jesus is speaking, but John says, Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. And then he says this. Who is and who was and who is to come. And so basically what he's saying is, is that Jesus is the front and center of God's plan. Or take the plan of creation. Jesus is the front and center of God's plan of creation. Colossians 1.15. Now some of these I may go a little speedy this morning because I know you have to do the Lord's Supper. But you can write them down. Colossians 1.15 and 16. Glorious passage of scripture. He says here, he says that he is the image, talking about Christ, of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. Or in other words, he is the head of all creation. And then verse 16, for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, in other words, all things were created through him and for him. Everything that has ever been created, whether it's spiritual or material, has been created through Christ and for the Lord Jesus Christ. They were all made by Christ for his own use and purposes. So God's head of creation and God's head of restoration is our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, 2, he says, God has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir or the lawful owner of all things through whom he also made the world. We are here today because of Jesus Christ, the righteous. There is a church on earth because of the Lord Jesus Christ. You read through scripture that God in his plan, he gave to Jesus a people to save, a people to redeem, a people to reconcile back to himself. In other words, bring back to him after Adam sinned in the garden. Just another scripture this morning, John seventeen six. Jesus said to the father in his high priestly prayer, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. Now, the men that he's been given out of the world are sinful, lost men. He says, they are yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now, basically, he's speaking of the disciples right here, but he also prays for those who will come in the future and will believe on him through the word of the apostles and the disciples. So the bottom line is, is that everything that God has in his sovereign will and by his infinite grace that he has carried out for our salvation. He has done through his son, Jesus Christ, in and through him. And if you're a true believer this morning, your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, I tell people at church all the time that that's shouting territory because that name was written in there before God ever made the world. And, you know, and to put it in our terms, like he's saying, okay, he's like, you got this book, and and like he's giving it to his son like a gift, and then it's almost like he's saying, here, here's my gift to you, and you, he's coming to the world and die for these people, because Jesus is the headline of the plan of God, and so when you read the book of Ephesians, it is God's great purpose in Jesus Christ. That's basically what Paul is saying in that book now the second thing we'll look at is God's great blessing to the world because Paul talks about that in verse 9 he says having made known to us the mystery of his will or the secret of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself God has allowed us to know the secret of his plan God has revealed to us His hidden purposes that he's pleased to do. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? I mean, what's the great blessing about that? Paul says this in Ephesians 3.1. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you indeed have heard of the dispensation of the stewardship of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. In other words, God has given him a stewardship to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He said, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery or the secret as I have briefly written already. He says, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now, this mystery was made known to the Apostle Paul by direct revelation from God. And he says in verse five, he says, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to the holy apostles and prophets. And this is what the mystery is, verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the same uh, promise through our Lord Jesus Christ that is in the gospel. So, this mystery Paul talks about, this is what he means. He means that God's thoughts and his plans and purposes That have been hidden in the mind of God is this mystery, and it has not been made known to other ages. And Paul is saying this mystery has now been fully revealed. So, now that God, by his Holy Spirit, through his apostles and prophets, has revealed the mystery of Christ, this mystery that has been revealed will be preached to the whole world. And this mystery is still being proclaimed this very day. So that mystery is simply God's eternal plan that he purposed in Christ Jesus that he will save every kindred, tongue and nation, men and women out of these nations and tongues in this whole world. And he purposed this in himself before he ever made the world and, and before he ever made the world and had the plan of redemption through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Christianity for about 2,000 years, <clears throat> has proclaimed this mystery that has been hidden for ages to this whole world. So now the mystery that Paul speaks about here, now in our day and time, it's an open secret. It's known and revealed. And that mystery, you say, well, you're talking about this mystery. What is that mystery? That's the great commission. That where Christ commanded his disciples to take to the whole world. Now, I'm not going to read these scriptures. You know these scriptures, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. You know, he says, go into all the world and make disciples and, you know, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Mark 1615. This is the mystery. And then you can see Acts 1 8. And he's just talking about sending them out into the world to preach the gospel. Because up to this time, only the Jews knew anything or had any revelation about how to be saved. But now he's telling them to take this gospel of the kingdom to the whole world, and then in all the world as a witness to the nations. And he says, this is going to be preached. And he said, and until all the nations of the world hear this message, he said, the end will not come. But once the gospel has been preached to all the nations of the world, the end will come. So Paul is saying that God by his Holy Spirit has given wisdom and prudence and understanding to his elect to know and to understand The mystery of his will and what he's telling us today and what he's telling you as a church today go preach this mystery to the whole world because this mystery is going to be preached to the world till the world ends now let me give you a simple definition of this mystery that paul talks about the mystery is just simply divine truth that has now been fully made known in the gospel of jesus christ i'm trying to make it as simple as i can but the mystery is John 3:16, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The mystery is John 3:17: God sent His Son into the world, and that the world through him, might be saved so that is the mystery that has now been revealed it's not rocket science it's the gospel of jesus christ and that mystery is that the gentiles and the jews shall be fellow heirs of the same body and partake of the same promise that's in, that in the lord jesus christ you would have to talk to some jews years ago and they would have told you that it would have been completely impossible for the gentiles to ever be saved and god is saying That is not the mystery of my will, because God had in his plan that he was going to restore all the nations of this world. Every kindred tongue and nation, men and women out of these nations and these tongues and these different places in the world and make them his people throughout this world. We have the greatest message that is in the world right now. You hear all kind of messages today and all kind of things on how to straighten the world out and things like that. But we have the greatest message that has been ever been given to mankind, that God has so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And John says this in 1 John 2, 2. He says, and he himself, talking about Christ, is the propitiation for our sins. And this is what I like about this. And not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. And what he's saying here is the sins for the, the propitiation for the sins of the Jew and the Gentile alike. So the destiny of the universe and how it will end up Is all wrapped up in the plan of God. And God is going to gather together, one, all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. And as I told you earlier, that's his grand, comprehensive, final, ultimate purpose. God is going to establish a new order and a new creation of which Christ will be acknowledged as head. You know, he's head already of of all things to the church. But the mystery of God's will with respect to the destiny of the universe is that Christ is going to be the head of a regathered, a reunited, a restored universe. And I love these words. It's going to be totally reformed and modeled to perfection. Now, I don't know what your end time beliefs are, but there's not going to be a millennial kingdom you don't need it. It's going to be a restored universe. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. Uh, Peter says in Second uh, Peter 3, but I'm not going to read that passage, but he said that this universe here is going to be renovated and it's going to be made new. So Christ is going to be the head of this regathered, this restored universe. And God himself is going to Take this universe, and he's going to deliver it from the bondage of corruption that was caused by Adam's sin. And God is going to do this through his son. Decay and death is here because of Adam. The world looks like it does now because of Adam. Sin is in the world. Death is in the world because of Adam. You know, the world since man, basically since Cain and Abel, and even before then, the potential was there, has been a killing field just full of hatred and wars and dissensions and you know you have all the catastrophes and everything that's happened in this world well god is going to take care of that through his son because it's going to be headed up it's going to be summed up and restored by christ and one man says it like this this world through the lord jesus christ is going to be put back in right working order You know, we're so used to sin, we think this is just the way things should be. No. God has something much, much better. And we're going to have a recreated universe. And all the damage that sin has done since the devil has put his foot in this world, Christ is going to redeem every bit of it. So, before sin entered the world, before God made the world, you know, God knew man would sin. You know, He knew that death would come into this world and that's when God purposed and planned for this new universe, this new heavens and earth which will be recreated. Now God is the all wise, all knowing God. He knows the end from the beginning and he already had a plan in place for when man sinned in the garden. You know I tell people all the things, I said the best thing about Calvinism is all the glory goes to God and God has this plan and man has nothing to do with this plan except he's a a, God will be using him in his plan and you know to bring his plan to to, his plan and purposes to pass but God is in control of this plan and he's gonna make a new heavens and a new earth and he will be glorified in them now I want to give you a few scriptures this morning Acts chapter 3 we read that one Talks about this. Just some scriptures that talk about this new plan of God. Verse 19. He says, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. That the times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord. In other words, that better and brighter days will prevail. He said, and that he might send Jesus, who was preached to you before, whom the heaven must receive until the time of the restoration of all things. In other words, the heavens must receive Jesus until the time that all things are restored new, When God, which God has spoken about the mouth of his prophets since the world began. In other words, it's been prophesied to happen in the Old Testament. So he's just saying that Jesus must stay in heaven until the time is right. For the restoration of all times until the time when the world is going to be restored and until the recovery of all things from sin. Because basically that's what that restoration is, a recovery from all things from sin. Now, when he talks about all things, he's not teaching universalism. Because when you hear all things, a lot of people will take that and they will say that everybody will ultimately be saved, even the devils and the demons and all these things. Now, the devil and the fallen angels and all the unsaved of this world will be judged and they will be cast into the lake of fire and they will be eternally separated from the new creation. There will be nothing in the new creation that will offend or that is sinful or anything. It's going to be a a creation that is completely without sin. Now, I tell people all the time, I cannot think in my mind of a sinless environment. And you say, well, why can't you figure it out? Because of me. How can you go sinless? And it's not that you're trying to sin. You just know yourself And you know your propensity to sin and you know all the temptations to sin and everything else. So when you live in a sinful world, then you just can't picture in your mind a a place where there is no sin, no corruption, no murder, no hatred, no anything. I just can't picture it. But I know God says it's going to be. And that's what the gospel is going to bring, because there's coming a day in which God's universe into which sin has brought disorder and confusion and pain and sickness and suffering and death. It's going to be put back in perfect harmony and unity up under the headship of Jesus Christ. And I look forward to that day when it comes, because this world daily gets worse. This world daily looks even more hopeless, but the glorious one is going to sum it all up and Jesus is going to bring it all to a unified conclusion because this was God's great purpose in sending him to this earth. He's the captain that's going to gather up all things in one when he comes back to this earth. So. The bottom line is what I'm telling you this morning is God is going to sum up all things in Christ. You know, you got Christmas season coming up. And most people will be singing, "Joy to the world, the Lord has come." Why is it joy to the world that the Lord has come? Because Jesus is going to remove all the effects of the curse and sin. That's why it's joy to the world because if he didn't come, and God left us in our sins, it would just mean everybody would just perish and go into hell. But the Lord has come, and He's the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And so, before sin entered the world, everything was in a perfect state of harmony and unity in the Lord Jesus Christ back in the Garden of Eden. It was paradise in the Garden of Eden. And you remember now that the creation was made for Christ. So what sin did when it came in, it brought disorder and confusion, and Christ is coming to perfectly restore peace and harmony to this new creation. And it simply will be a restoration of Genesis chapter 2 back to a perfect state, undefiled by sin or the curse. In fact, It's going to be restored to even a better state because it will be a state in which it's impossible to ever sin again. And so it'll be a state of what you could call eternal perfection. And when will it happen in the dispensation of the fullness of time? When God says it's time for it to happen, just like when Jesus came into this world, then that's when it will happen. One more scripture, Matthew 19, 28. Jesus talks about the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on the throne of his glory. Regeneration simply means rebirth, spiritual renovation, or it can mean messianic renovation. The world is going to be born again, if you can say it that way. Isaiah 65, 17, he says, for behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. And people say, well, will you not remember anything? I don't know everything that that means, but there's a lot of things I don't want to remember. And, you know, you don't have to think about all the ugly and everything that was behind us. What a blessed state that will be to not have a nagging conscience and to go through eternity with your conscience nagging you. No, everything will be wiped out. That were sinful, and maybe one more scripture. Second Peter three, he speaks of a new heavens and a new earth. Just giving you some scriptures that they speak of this. There's several scriptures that speak of this is going to happen. Second Peter three one, he just simply speaks of God's promise of a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, and so. I'm basically saying this morning that the whole creation is going to be restored. There are the plants and animals and the thorns and thistles and the curse will all the curse will be done away with and everything will be in perfect harmony. Like I said, even down to the animal kingdom. And so when Christ went to the cross, not only did he defeat Satan, but his defeat was final and complete. And so what that means is, is not only will he redeem man, but he must restore the whole creation to its original condition. And so that'll be carried out and there'll be new heavens and a new earth and man will live on, on this redeemed earth with a redeemed humanity and he will live on this earth with what they call a deathless body never to die again. If you ever go to a funeral and you just wonder sometimes, will it ever all stop? No. Not till Christ comes back and God heads up a new heavens and a new earth wherein righteousness dwells because of the perfect sacrifice of Christ, perfect peace and harmony and unity will be restored in the fullness of the times that when the time has come that God says it should be done. And even better news is the fact that it will never be undone again. If it's left up to us, it will be undone again. But you will be made perfect. And, you know, so will we ever be with the Lord. That doesn't excite people sometimes when you say, so shall you ever be with the Lord. But to personally live with Christ is a big deal. So shall you ever be with the Lord. Those are some of the blessed uh, words of hope that you will find in the word of God. So I just want to share that with you this morning. That everything is going to be put back in right working order. You know, our situation in life is not hopeless simply because we're in Christ. But it goes beyond that. Because Paul says in Romans eight eighteen, he said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, he says, Are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. And so there's people in the graveyard today will be raised with a new body. You know, there's people that haven't been saved that will be saved and partake of this new heaven and a new earth that is coming. And Christ continues to give the invitation for sinners to come. The bride says, Come. Christ says, Come. And, you know, this invitation will go out until the time for Jesus to return for his bride. You say, well, do we, what about us as a church? We're going to be on this earth. You know, what are we going to go through? Whatever you have to go through, God will take you through. I always tell myself, like, I ask myself, I said, if I had to be a martyr, would I do it? You know what I mean? If they're going to kill you. I'm always kidding around about it. I, I, I said, I'll tell them just. Give me something quick and get it over with. But instead of hanging me by my fingers, you know, stuff like that. But I always ask myself, do you really love him that much? Do you really trust him that much? And then you have to ask yourself that question. And then so you say, well, what is the hope that you're hanging on to? Number one, your blessed hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. But you have the hope of all these promises in the word of God. And so that's why when a man or a woman dies, you don't have to be afraid of death because Jesus has conquered death and the grave. And so when they lay you in that casket and people are walking by talking about how natural you look, which I do never understood that. But (laughs) how do you look natural dead? I mean, anyway, but I'm saying like when, when they're doing all that and stuff like that, you have a hope that the resurrection will take place. And your spirit is gone to be with the Lord. And you have so much, so many promises in the word of God. But what I want to show you this morning is before we go to the table of Lord this morning, that Jesus Christ paid the ransom, not only for our souls, but for this whole universe. Because Satan wrecked havoc in the whole universe. And everything this, this out of joint and out of order and everything, that's the work of the devil. And John says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. And the devil's works go a long way in this world. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, the bride says, come. Jesus says, come. The invitation is open. The secret is out. You can be saved. You can be delivered from all your sins. You know, there has been a ransom paid for the price of the sins of the whole world. A lot of people say, well, I would rather go before God and stand on my own merits where you're doomed. Now, you want to go before God and stand on the merits of Jesus Christ, because that's all he'll accept. and, And you can enter into the kingdom of God. So let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you've given us so great a salvation in Jesus Christ. Father, he is precious to our souls. And we thank you, Lord, that he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And Lord, that there will be a restored universe. And Lord, there is yet many sinners that will be saved. Father, we pray that you help us to be bold in our proclamation of the gospel. And as we go before your table this morning, may Christ be more precious to our souls. Father, we thank and bless you this morning that we can meet in your name. And we do pray that you would bless all the churches of the world that are meeting today. And that as you walk in the midst of the candlesticks, that you will be pleased with what you see. Father, we thank you and bless you in the name of your Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.